to the final edition, episode number 18 of this season for the Hager Sefner Hershey's Elk High School Wrestling Weekly, hosted here live at the Double Eagle Clubhouse Grill. Uh, Rex Brewer along with Dane Filling and uh, Dane. It's hard to believe, but the season has ended. I mean, it seems like a long time ago you started, and we've had this show. We had this show for a month before wrestling season started, and I think, man, this season's just going to drag on. We blinked our eyes, and it's gone. It's done. It's over. And the whole weekend felt like that also. I'm only halfway through my sandwich, though, Rex, so you may have to take the lead here as we go through the first period. <laughs> we've got a country-fried uh, sandwich with gravy and egg on it. Country fried, fries. country fried steak with oh. an egg and gravy and tater tots was just a, a breakfast sandwich that uh, went right on down. There's Big Johnny over there. We've got a, a little bit of a studio audience here tonight. We've got a couple of special guests. Andy Oberlin is with us in person. He also had the six ninety nine meal special. And we're going to be joined by Joe Caprino later on, the Indiana Mac guru. And later on after that, we're going to be joined by Henry Wilk, who was an official this weekend. At the IHSAA State Finals. Got a nice picture of Henry in the uh, front page of the paper tomorrow. You can see Henry's uh, pin call of Ike's match in the semifinals that sent him back under the lights. And uh, Rex, what was the highlight of your weekend for you? Ooh, I, I think the highlight of my weekend was just the fact that we were there, that we got to be there. We got to watch kids wrestle. And, and the, the coaches kind of talked about it. Everything that happened above the floor level was different. It was all changed around. It was totally different. But what happened on the mat with the wrestlers and officials and the coaches, the same. I think, And those guys even talked about <clears throat> the level of intensity that they felt was still there, even though the crowd wasn't roaring and cheering. But honestly, when you're on the mat like that, you don't hear that anyways. I mean, I know that as refereeing at the semi-state level at uh, Coliseum, when they put those guys back behind the, the uh, wall of the ice row back there, you can't hear fans anymore, and that just goes away. But um, all in all, I thought it was a great, it was a great uh, tournament. Uh, AJ and I and myself, along with you, uh, our first round on Friday, found our new vantage point that I think that's going to be our home from now on. It's where the uh, uh, Pacers broadcast from. That's where Mike Gable and his uh, team do the uh, state finals from. And it's a good vantage point for us because our old vantage point was gone. They, redes- they redesigned that, uh, the seating over there, and that row was gone. So, I mean, you had to go someplace. We found an alternate backup plan, and uh, the lady that set up for the, uh, the TV crew telecast for that night uh, was kind enough to let us stay there. We just kind of stayed down the end of the way, and we we're in a perfect spot, and I think that's going to be our home from the rest of the way on. Yeah, and it's also a nice spot for, for interviews at future years, and I, I just thought it worked out really well. So what you got on store for us, in store for us tonight? Well, we're going to talk with Andy Oberlin, head coach at Homestead, and we're going to talk about his new venture to uh, help build wrestling in Fort Wayne. And we're going to preview the uh, freshman-sophomore state tournament, which is coming up next weekend. And uh, then we're going to be joined by Joe Caprino. He's going to talk about his state champion and Reeve Muncy, the champion heavyweight wrestler. Dane, before you get any farther, from the stands, you don't realize how big Reeves Muncy is. <laughs> When AJ and I were leaving the venue, his, the whole Carroll crew was down there getting their pictures taken with him, and I walked by and congratulated him. And I'm telling you, I looked right into his shoulder, right into his shoulder. And he's a big human being. And, and I mean, there were some big heavyweights down there this weekend, but uh, he's, he's a big young man. I thought heavyweight was <coughs> extremely entertaining this weekend and, and maybe one of my favorite weight classes from, from the whole tournament. Joe's also going to talk about his uh, upcoming awarding of the Mr. Gorilla Award which is the big award out of Indiana, Matt, and talk to us a little bit about who votes on that and, and how that's determined. 
And he's also going to talk about some of the things that are going on in the offseason on the website. Obviously, we're leading up to the big Purdue-IU match, which is on uh, BTN, coming up at 8 o'clock sharp. And then after that, we're going to be joined by Henry Wilk. He wanted to call in and um, be on the final episode and share a few stories from his perspective as an official this weekend. So really looking forward to the show tonight. And I did see Jim Troyer was at his last state finals uh, in an official capacity. He didn't work this weekend, but he was down on the floor doing a lot of uh, live uh, video casting and stuff. From the, and it, it is a different perspective down on the mat. I mean, I was down on the mat so many years, you don't realize it until you're up in the stands that it's a different angle. You get a different perspective on the whole tournament itself. I, uh, I felt that the... I didn't really realize how small of a crowd there was until Briar Hall won at 170 pounds, and they went on their 90-second commercial break on the on the on the TV broadcast, and they Briar Hall actually yelled out for his practice partner. He said, "Where are you?" I don't know what the kid's name was. John, where are you? And he looked around, and then John replied back, "I'm here." And he looked at him and he pointed to him. <laughs> that would have never happened with ten thousand people in the stands, but with, you know, it with, was fun. And with two thousand, you can pick him out. Oh, he's right there in a red shirt. But. Yeah, he did. And the finals were great uh, as every year. So I really hope that that everybody that listened to our broadcast uh, enjoyed it. I know you guys did a great job. I was just telling you that I I, I got a ton of compliments about uh, what you guys were able to accomplish on Saturday. And it sounded like it went really well. And just another great year of wrestling on WZBD. You know, my, my personal uh, phone goes off numerous times throughout, throughout the uh, event and people asking questions about, you know, what time we're going, things like that. But uh, I probably received 10 texts throughout the uh, weekend. And then on Sunday, I probably had five more people that, you know, thought we did a good job and we're glad we carried it. And, and I think during this COVID season, probably more – more so than in years past when you just couldn't jump in a car and drive down there. But I was really it was interesting to see Bruce Teamy walks down. Bruce Teamy and Phil are there. They're up there. And he said, oh, we're up there by Bill Schultz. Bill Schultz and his family are there. So there were still enough people locally that were able to get tickets to get down there. And we, we talked to people that uh, found out, you know, on Friday night, they didn't do a lot of sleeping on Friday night because they were up till 2 o'clock in the morning trying to lock in tickets for Saturday's event. And that's a whole, that was a whole new uh, adventure for people to get that done this year. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see whether the IHSAA likes that format of selling tickets ahead of time and the uh, not having general admission, having assigned seats. Uh, obviously, it's, it's a topic that's been talked about for years and years and years because there's so much wrangling and there's so many people waiting in line to get in because it's general admission. What will that look like? I don't know. I don't know. Looking forward, obviously, the IHSAA has got a lot more things on their mind than trying to figure out what they're going to do. But I'm sure there's going to be a lot of input from the Coaches Association, from Jake O'Neill and some other people, to Mr. Falcons in the coming months about what can we do to make next season better. Um, obviously, there's going to be a big push, I think, next season. Uh, I really think that when things really open up, you're going to see an attendance bump in football, in basketball, in wrestling as people are ready to come back out and support those teams that they weren't able to watch, maybe more than they would have if all of this wouldn't have happened. And uh, I think the IHSAA needs to capitalize on that somehow. I'm not really sure what that's going to look like, but uh, I would expect next year's state finals crowd to be maybe the biggest ever. Now, I, we had a little off-air conversation with Commissioner Falcons when he was walking out, and we were talking about the break in the middle. And he said, you know, it kind of was nice to let things cool down a little bit, and it's not such a long run. He said, you know, I'm not saying that we might not think about that in the future. Now, if it's to the point where you break it up, but then the attendance is still the same, 
so people can come in and do what they need to do, and then you can have the same people come in and out. I think when COVID regulations go away and more people can actually be there at one time, I think having a break in the middle, and that way if you know that your guy doesn't wrestle in the morning session, maybe have a half session pass and you just buy it for the afternoon session and come in and break it up. Well, it would certainly be a boon for the, the downtown portion of Indianapolis. I know that, that a lot of teams then felt that they, were, they had to come on Thursday night and a lot of people stayed Thursday night because, you know, to drive from Evansville or South Bend or, or the region uh, or even Fort Wayne on Friday morning was a lot. You had to leave early. You had to make sure that you had all your – and then, too, you've got to have time to get checked into your hotel for the whole weekend. So uh, I don't know. I don't know whether I think that it's going to be a good thing or not. It is nice. that I guess some of it comes down to attendance and money. And if they could sell more tickets, splitting it up into two sessions, requiring people to buy tickets for both sessions – then they may do it, uh, to be real honest with you. You know, Dane, you and I, and in years past, we spent our t- time down in the media level, and you go back in the media room and you back, and you're never really up in the uh, main concourse. And because we were on the main concourse level, I walked out a couple of times to take a break. It was a ghost town. Yeah. There was concession stand, people standing there leaning against the counter, knowing at the concession stands. I, I know it was good that the uh, ITSAA had, was able to get the concession stands open. I don't know how much money they were able to bring in because – the place was empty. And I wonder if that wasn't <clears throat> part of the consideration when they didn't open the very upper decks of the arena was because it costs so much money to pay people to staff those areas that maybe it just wasn't worth it to Well, them. you know who was in the upper deck area? Well, the wrestlers. That, and, you know, there were a lot of complaints about this weekend. There were positive things, too. And I talked to Mary Freet this morning. And, you know, you can choose to complain or you can choose to applaud. And I think one of the things that does deserve to be applauded is that they originally had a plan where coaches and wrestlers not wrestling were not going to be able to view the wrestling. For whatever reason, that was their plan. But they heard input from other people, probably a lot of complaints, and they changed their mind. And they, they, they heard the argument, they made a proactive step, and they opened that, up, that upper level up. And I applaud them for that. Like Mary and I said this morning, you know, these are just regular people trying to make a plan for an event that's important to 50, 100,000 people across the state. You can't account for every single little detail, and I applaud them for, for, for opening that up. But, yeah, I know it was frustrating for some people to see how, ma- how many open seats there were, and they wanted to come. They wanted to give their $15 to, to get in, and, and they weren't allowed to, but, you know. It, it is what it is. Well, that kind of wraps up our weigh-in section. Do you have a, a ad you want to read or talk about? Uh, well, I do uh, want to. I do want to plug uh, Cross Creek Golf Course. Obviously, it's not uh, golfing weather right now. You'd have a hard time finding your ball after you hit your tee shot. But uh, we're only four or five, six weeks away, probably, from uh, getting out and try to be AJ at his game. Of course, he's in Florida right now, probably working on his putting. Probably not, to be real honest with you. But, uh, you know, one of the best fundraisers that we have in our area for wrestling is the Decatur Wrestling Club outing that happens in July. It's a full, full outing with, uh, I think, 38 teams. You know, we only have 18 holes that we play it on. 38 teams, I think, of foursomes uh, with a meal, that kind of thing. That's a great option if you're looking to raise money for your organization. If you are a fan of Belmont Wrestling, and you want to take part in that, look for our social media posts on Facebook and Twitter as we, as we plug that when we get the date. But uh, Cross Creek Golf Course, the clubhouse is open through the day during the week. And as soon as the weather turns, then th- they'll be open too. And keep in mind that if you want to help support that, doesn't mean you have to play golf. 
Uh, I was in sales one year, and uh, my company, you know, sponsored a whole, and we sponsored this, and they had giveaways and things like that. So there's more ways to uh, help support that other than come out and paying your, paying your money and playing golf. Now, it's fun. It's a good time. But if that's not what you want to do, you can always kick some money towards the, the uh, fundraiser. So with that, we're going to send it back to Steve Rouse running a board for us for a round of commercials, and we'll be back with our first guest, Coach Andy Oberlin, right after these messages. Independently owned and operated, Haggard Sefton Hershey and Zelt Funeral Home, located in the heart of downtown Decatur, has been serving the funeral needs of Adams County and the surrounding area for over 114 years. Whether it's at need, a prearrangement, or a monument sale, our small staff is here to provide comfort in your time of need and make our home feel like an extension of your home as we assist you in honoring the life of your loved one. The trained and knowledgeable staff of surgeons at Adams Memorial Hospital are dedicated to personalized care in surgical services. General surgeons Dr. Megan Arntz and Dr. Jennifer Taylor and orthopedic surgeon Dr. David Coates use the latest technology to perform a variety of procedures. The trained staff serves your surgical needs by providing individual care in a safe environment along with education for you and your family. Hi, this is Jessie from Heller Nursery. Heller Nursery is located four miles west of Decatur in between 224 and 124 on 400 West. We are open all winter long. Come check out our large selection of houseplants. We have snake plants, succulents, ficus, and so many more. Heller Nursery is always a season ahead, so stop in during the winter months to plan for spring. New crops are available weekly. Check out Heller Nursery's Facebook page for current selection and specials. We are open seven days a week, year-round. Welcome back to Hager Seven Hershey'sville High School Wrestling Weekly, hosted by the Double Eagle Clubhouse Grill here at Cross Creek. Rick Spur along with Dane Filling. And for the first period, now we're joined with our special guest for interview, uh, Coach Andrew Oberlin of the uh, Homestead Spartans. Evening, Coach. Welcome here. Welcome. How you are you doing? Good. You were on here uh, on our show a week or so ago or a couple weeks ago. I mean, they all blend together in these 18 shows, uh, talking about your season and uh, how it ended for you. But uh, glad you could be here in person with us tonight. Thank you. So, Coach, you uh, obviously, as we talked, I think it was two weeks ago, you had a, a little COVID issue that, that knocked a lot of your guys out, and you only ended up with two guys who were able to wrestle at semi-state. So that kind of changed your plans for the weekend. But you told me that you were, we'll plug ourselves here, Rex, we have to. Somebody got toot our horn. That you listened to a little WZBD over the weekend. What did you think of our performance? I listened quite a bit of it. It was it was really well done. It was the knowledge coming out of the Decatur area, the Adams area, is very impressive. Well, what, through osmosis, you can just live here for 10 years and learn a lot of stuff. You don't even have to do anything. It just kind of floods into us. So. All you got to do is show up here to eat, and you, you run into at least three state medalists. We got one, two, maybe just two here tonight. That's kind of a low number, I believe. Yeah, I'm not sure what a knife takedown. What, what is a knife that? throw? A knife throw? A knife throw. Yeah, what is that? A knife throw. It's when I get in here and I got this arm and I stick the inside leg in. Ah, uh, yeah, garbage. And then I take and then throw back <laughs> with it. That's a knife throw situation. I think we call him a Merkel if you're locking it up. Like a guy named Bob Merkel used to work in your play in your wrestle on your team, so you called him Merkel. I don't know. <laughs> Rolling through with it, locking it up, we call him. That is one of the one of the interesting things when it comes to broadcasts is the name of moves from one region to the next really changes. You I hear know, that guys on Big Ten that growth, they'll call moves like, what? 
That's not what that is. They don't call it a sights pin. <laughs> they don't even know who Mike Sights is. No, the, in Fort Wayne, the Dwinger guys used to call it a Malin. That's a Malin. It's like, no, I've, Mike Sights did that on Chris Malin, and Malin pinned his way to the state finals with it. So it's, they thought it was a Malin, but it's a Sights. I have an assistant coach that is from Ohio, and he calls it a front face instead of a front head. <laughs> and, and there's no breaking that. He just calls it all the time. Like, all right, front face, front head. All right, kids. <laughs> a front face. It's what he calls it. But you're right. That is one of the unique things about about broadcasting wrestling is the the you know trying to think of another sport they they don't change the names of 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 the the actions that happen. But wrestling, it's a little bit different. You know, AJ and I were up in the area where they broadcast the TV telecast from, and you know, and as AJ's doing a match, I'd take my earphone off and I'd listen to see what Mike Gable and and uh, the other guy was saying. It's like, hmm. do you know how easy their jobs are? People can see it. <laughs> And they don't have to call every move and tell everybody what they're doing. They just, two guys are wrestling. They're just talking about the weather. And, you know, he's got nice shoes on and things like that. I have to tell you that he's got a double leg, switches off to a single, goes to a bar cigar, catches half on the way down. It's totally different. And, I mean, you've done basketball. And, and the guys that are good at it are good at it. And, like, basketball, everybody knows if he crosses the line, pops a tray, that they know what that means. And if you follow wrestling, you know what a bar cigar is and a double or a single or half or a well, one of the things that I really appreciate about, appreciate about you and AJ is that there is a difference. If you knew you were only broadcasting to people who were, you know, past semi-state qualifiers and above, you know, you could use this vocabulary. But you also have to keep in mind, you know, that my mother is listening. And, you know, my mother never wrestled a match in her life. So she doesn't know, you know, the terms for some of these things. And I think that is sometimes hard to do when you're broadcasting is, is how, do you, how do you go in between there to make sure that everybody knows what's going on. Well, I can guarantee you that Daisy Hurst sitting in her house would know what a duck under to a single <laughs> to a double, she off a bar cigar and catches it half and way down and gets the stick. She knows what that she means. She would have known. Because those are Decatur people, and they've known it for years, and they understand it. And they tell us. We know exactly what's happening. It's not like you say, oh, he got a takedown, oh, and then he got an escape, and nothing in between. I mean, the Decatur people that have listened for 40 years when AJ started this, they understand, and they can sit home and they can visualize it. And there's times like when I'm listening to a football game, listen to Colts game on radio, I would almost listen to radio than watch it on TV. Well, I, I've always been a big proponent of radio, and especially with baseball, I would rather listen to it than watch it, and I've always been that way. So I guess I'm a little bit of a radio homer, but <laughs> that's the way it is. I'll I tell you what, I went from you guys uh, listening all weekend, and, uh, and then I watched the finals. Now, I watched a little bit on track while I was listening to you guys. Timing was a little bit off. Yep. But when I watched the finals, they weren't calling things quite right. Like, I don't know if it's old age getting in there. I know some of them are pretty experienced. Well, it's a little bit different because, like, they bring in Mark Janes, who's an outstanding broadcaster. Well, he's really made his money in auto racing. Yeah. And obviously, you know, there's only so much where you can transfer from one to the other. And sometimes you just get kind of a, a little bit more generic feel to everything. But once again... They're trying to appeal to a much wider audience of people who are just watching the sport, you know, maybe the only time all year, whereas for the most part, the people that we're trying to talk to are the ones who have been following the sport the entire season. And I, I must say that AJ and I listen to them a little bit, and it's like Mark James is a true broadcaster. And oh, yeah. He has that. He's got that announcer voice, and everything's there, and he's smooth in and out of commercials, you know. But like I said, the wrestling part of it is not there, and he has Mike Gable to throw the, uh, the inner uh, – workings of wrestling in it to help smooth it out but uh, it depends if you're a true wrestling guy and you listen to wrestling on the radio 
That, that's one thing. And then you watch it. I mean, you really don't need it. And you listen to some of the guys on Big Ten that's like on tonight. Uh, it, it's just different than listening to us on radio. So let's jump into these brackets a little bit and talk about some of the results that, that we were really surprising. One of the kids that I was most impressed with the entire weekend was this Ashton Jackson from LaPorte. You know, to be real honest with you, didn't make it to uh, Mishawaka this year because it didn't have it. I didn't know much about that kid at all. I didn't think he had any shot. I picked Evan Singh from modern day to win the whole thing. He gets beaten overtime by Billerman from Perry Meridian, and then Jackson beats him, and then Jackson just sort of jumped out to an early lead against Dickey, and that was, that was all he needed. It wasn't even a match. Yeah. Incredible scrambles. Like, yeah. There was a couple times where I thought, oh, Dickey's got this, and he just scrambled out of it or stayed in and waited for a stalemate and just – incredible uh, presence. And I've noticed that, and I mentioned that. I mean, we were watching Big Ten. Kids will create that scramble. If a guy's in a leg, they will dive between a guy's leg and grab his ankle, and they'll gator roll, and they'll create a scramble situation. And nine times out of ten, those guys will pull a they'll pull a uh, stalemate out of it. You know, we watched Hardcastle wrestle the 52-pounder, and he was fantastic. He had a real long and had a big reach. And he would scramble back through and get a leg or something, and then he'd roll and get close enough to the bounds. He'd either go out of bounds or, they, or he'd get a stalemate, and it's like these guys are creating those situations. If you watch Big, watch Big Ten, they do it all the time. Guys in a tough single leg, they'll dive down in there and get a leg, and they, they basically point opposite directions. A guy calls stalemate, and these guys work out of situations that you know most mortal humans would be taken down in. Correct, but to me, the difference is they're not <clears throat> trying to create the scramble. They have to create the scramble. Yeah. You get some kids that try to get funk too soon. These kids are just doing the funk when it's necessary. And that's the difference between a kid that gets taken down on the edge of the mat when he doesn't have to. And AJ and I, we, we ride kids and get a little bit irritated. It's like he didn't have to give up that takedown. On the way down to the mat, hit a standing switch, do something. Hit a standing Gramby, you know, hit a sit-out, do something. And so many times this weekend we saw guys, referees give takedowns too soon that were prior to reaction time where guys would pop down and pop back up and get a takedown and, and, and there, if you create a, that. There's a time to belly out and there's a time not to. And maybe the lack of individual tournaments this year made a difference there. But the state finals is not a time to belly out. <laughs> you know, yeah. in a dual meet when you're trying to protect a lead uh, and you're trying not to get pinned in the last match, that's a time to get, you know. In a, in a dual meet when you're the third guy up and you're down 12-2, to two, that's a time to belly out and not get a half put in and get stuck. State finals, it's completely different. If a guy's behind you in a, steer, in a rear standing position and he's going to take you to the mat, if he takes you down, you didn't try hard enough. You should standing switch out of it. You do something. Now, if a guy hits a blast double and picks your feet up and your feet are way over the top of his head and he takes you down, you belly out because you're going to get stuck if you don't. But if you're just standing and a guy's behind you and he back heel trips you or he front trips you or something, I mean, you can work your way out of that. And young kids need to learn, don't give up when you don't have to. Correct. At least land on your base. Yeah. Mm-hmm. At least. Knees up. At one thirteen, obviously, the match that we were focused on all weekend was Alex Cotty and Ike Rubel. Uh, almost everybody in Decatur knows what happens and, and, and followed along with the match. Ike got down early. It was uh, a five-point move at the start. He bridged out, was almost stuck, I thought, from where my vantage point was. Came back out on his feet. Cotty went right back to the legs, put him right back on his back, and boom, it was 10-1. to 1. From there. Uh, and then he set up tent the, and camped out. For the other four and a half minutes, Ike finally caught his breath and, and, and was with him. But, you know, in the end, Rubel only took him down once. And those are the only points that he scored on his own besides the escapes and the stalling calls. And Cotty was the better wrestler in that night. And, you know, it, looking at Ike, Saturday night, I know he was upset. Had him in class today. He had a good attitude. 
maybe it was just a front. I don't know. But, you know, if he's listening out there, Ike, you took the entire city of Decatur. There were people sitting here in this bar watching high school wrestling on a TV because of you. I mean, there were people at home listening in their cars at home. There were people who went to Indianapolis without a ticket just to hope that they could see him wrestle in the finals. And I just think that says so much. And, and just because he didn't win, he still accomplished so much this year. All right, let, let's look at who he got beat by. Young man who took second his freshman year, second as a sophomore, won it as a junior, won it as a senior. Kid was under the lights four years in a row. He's ranked in a nation. I mean, there's no shame in that at all. I mean, there's nothing to be uh, you know, sad about. I mean, you got beat by a really good wrestler. That's like guys that get beaten in the finals for the last three years by Jesse Mendez. Okay, you got beat by Jess Mendes. Okay, that, that's how it goes. And he mounted a heck of a comeback. He didn't back off one bit. <laughs> yeah. Not one bit. And that says a lot. And I think that was his downfall because he was attacking, and, and Cotty would back up and let him walk right into it and attack back. I mean, if he just stood in the center of the ring and made Cotty come back at him, it would have been a different match. But he walked into two big five-point moves, and then, then it was too big of a hole to climb out of. Uh, and my, my biggest worry going into next year when it comes to Ike is I don't want anybody to judge him next year on is he going to win it next year or is he not because that's not the way to look at it what he's accomplished this year if he gets fifth next year it should be celebrated people should be happy it's not that easy you don't just go from second to first the next year you you don't Tim Tim Myers a two-time state champion didn't win in his senior year was expected to maybe I don't know but the, the matches get tougher every year they don't get easier correct and he's going to go up and wait next year. I, d- I don't see a, a situation where he's 13 next year. He's going to be 20 or 26. It's going to get tougher. There's more and more guys there. So we want to go ahead and go to a break, and we'll come back with Andy after that. Yep. You got a read you need to do there, or are we good to go? Oh, uh, double eagle. Six ninety nine meal special. We've already talked it up once, but uh, the meal was great. And just because we're, our show's not on on Monday nights doesn't mean you can't come out here. Uh, whether it's nachos or a burger or the meals on the weekends, come out to Double Eagle. And I don't know if we'll get Jason over here to talk before the end of the night. He's but, uh, enjoying himself with a few libations out there. But We have a great area that we set up in here, and we uh, broadcast it out. We have a speaker out here, and uh, we'd like this to become uh, more of a – Local event, uh, so people come out and sit and listen to the show. And next, and next year, I think it will be that when when uh, restaurant restrictions and, and COVID and those kind of things have changed a little bit by next November, we really hope that people make it a regular occurrence to come out here on Monday nights and listen to our show. With that, the first period is ended. We're going to send it back to Steve Rouse running aboard for some commercials. We'll be back with more wrestling talk right after this. Enjoy neighborhood living and peace of mind for your family in a two-bedroom, one-bedroom, or studio apartment at Adams Woodcrest Assisted Living. New address, new home, new life with household amenities including menu choices and times tailored to your liking. A family room with fireplace and bistro, laundry and housekeeping services. A state-of-the-art response system and medication reminders are included too at Adams Woodcrest Assisted Living, 1300 Mercer Avenue in Decatur. For a private tour, call 260-728-4038. When you're doing new construction or remodeling and you need drywall, the name to call is Paul Baker Drywall. Paul Baker Drywall does championship caliber work and gives you free estimates. Paul uses all the latest styles for your approval and his work is always guaranteed. Give Paul a call today at 701-4388. That's 701-4388. When it's time for drywall, use the best Paul Baker Drywall.
Independently owned and operated, Haggard Sefton Hershey and Zelt Funeral Home, located in the heart of downtown Decatur, has been serving the funeral needs of Adams County and the surrounding area for over 114 years. Whether it's at need, a prearrangement, or a monument sale, our small staff is here to provide comfort in your time of need and make our home feel like an extension of your home as we assist you in honoring the life of your loved one. Hosted by Double Eagle here at Cross Creek. Once again, we're live from Double Eagle Clubhouse Grill, and we've uh, boosted up their food and their libations plenty of times uh, this season. But, uh, you know, we come back here. Are we going to come back next Monday night just for the just for grins? Just to hang out with you, Rex. Just to hang out. <laughs> When's baseball season start? It's right well, around the corner. We've got six weeks. Don't get too far ahead of yourself. Good, we, we got six a, weeks to rest my voice, huh? We need a little bit of break. I think AJ and I were on air like 20 hours this weekend. Yeah, it was, it was a lot of time. Uh, looking through some of the other brackets, because we want to talk to Andy about some other things too. You know, I, I really thought that Sergio Lemley was sort of the favorite at 120. That was a really close match, and he did a really nice job. Zeke Seltzer, obviously, you I know, think that, that's a hands down. That's a lock. That is. I, I was incredibly impressed with Kaisen Montgomery this weekend. I really thought that Alec Freeman was the guy to beat. He comes through and, and wins that match in overtime, and that was thrilling. He beat a really good Ian Heath who I thought bounced back well to take third. That David Pearson is no joke from Warren Central. And I was really proud to see Heath represent his school, Coach Williams, our semi-state, by not just mailing it in for that third and fourth place match. He was pumped when he won and took third. And kudos to him. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what, what he can do in, in college. And then obviously Jesse Mendez, 59-second pin in the finals. I thought Wagner wrestled very well. And that, that Wagner-Watson uh, match, that was a pretty good match. Yeah, I, Wagner uh, luckily was my pick, so I was able to hang my hat on that one because I really felt like having watched in the last couple of years that, that he was sort of due. And then 152 finals was absolutely great. Goes into overtime, Jay Conway wins 6-4. to four, And then the match that people are talking about more than really any other of them is Brody Bauman clinching the team title for modern day. He beats major from Carmel 15 to 11. Uh, that was great to see. And then Briar Hall, who may have been the most impressive wrestler in the entire tournament. I, I tell you what, if Joe's going to ask for questions about Mr. Gorilla, I mean, if he wants my vote, it's, he, he pinned his way through the finals. And as impressive as Silas Allrose was last year, uh, I thought Briar Hall coming in, I, I had not seen Russell this year, but my biggest concern in that first match on Friday that Duke was not going to get hurt. Yeah. Don't get hurt. Okay, get him pinned, but, you know, he's blasting doubles through shooting Duke clear out of bounds, throwing him up and down. It's like, okay, just don't break a hip or I, something. I overheard Duke talking today to somebody in the hallway, somebody who didn't know anything about wrestling, and the kid said, so is he just stronger than you? Duke's like, Duke was just fast. He was so quick because he came in and he ankle-picked Duke and got that opening takedown. And, like, Duke's been around long enough to know, okay, I'm not going to let that happen again. He went right back to that ankle, picked him again, and it was 4-1. to one, And Duke's like, well, I, I, can't, I can't compete with this guy. <laughs> and turns out, you know, he ends up winning. And I do want to make a, a, a shout-out to uh, a good friend of mine and Kyle Lawson. Kyle Lawson went to the state finals twice, and he got beat by Jay Conway and Briar Hall in his two appearances, and both were eventual state champions. Didn't he, so. get the, didn't he used to go at it with Wagner, too, from Zionsville? Him and Wagner had some vicious battles yeah, back in the day. just about got uh, Kyle's mom into a fight, I think, in the stands that year at Penn. I don't know my wife remembers that. At 182, you know, Modern Day had already won it, and Gabe Sollers comes out and sort of adds the, the exclamation point to their night. That kid was impressive. And then the 
Indianapolis Lutheran kid at 195, to come from a small school like that where there's no sort of history in your program and, and you don't have anybody that really sets, you know, he's a trailblazer for that. And I, I was really impressed with Carrington all day through and then Lipovich just came through. I, I think I think the state finals match was in the semis when he wrestled Pack. I think I think the match between yeah, he that and, was and imp- Pack was the that was an impressive the win. Match. The only person that I would say maybe had a better day than Briar Hall, even though he didn't get the pin in the finals, was Tristan Ruhlman. Uh, he dominated Evan Bates, who was number one in the state, defending state champion, and then he comes out and he beats Streck ten two. And uh, we do want to give a shout out to uh, David Maldonado. I really felt bad for him, coach from Maryville. Ends up testing positive for COVID and wasn't able to come to the state finals. Is uh, uh, Paul Maldonado ended up being the, the coach for the day and talked to him a little bit on Friday and that just killed David to not be there. And he's a guy who's got a streak of you know all the way back to when he was wrestling for East Chicago Central way back in the day when he won a state title. Way back in the day when I used to referee his matches, he hadn't he hadn't missed and uh, that would be awfully hard. It was one thing to 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 have your kid miss out, but then. To see your kid succeed and, and then not be able to be there for the moment where he's in the finals. But uh, Strex, I think, just a, is he a junior? If I remember right. Oh, no, he is a senior. Here, here's my contention. I don't know why they had put so much emphasis on it. Wrestling season's over. Let him get COVID in. COVID next week. I mean, maybe that's just me being strange. And but then, obviously, Reeve Muncy got the two points that he needed. And, you know, he wins to advance. He wins 2-1. And then he had the fall. And then it was 1-1 going into overtime, and he won 3-2. He knew how to win close matches, and, and kudos to Joe for uh, and, and their whole staff for getting him into a position to know how to wrestle in those close matches. Okay, my other big impressive guy of the match was the guy that he beat in the finals. That kid has been wrestling three years. He's a junior. That kid was big and strong, and he's just very athletic. They're trying to teach him some wrestling. Comes into the tournament 14-0. and 0, because he got COVID and was out for like a big part of the season. They couldn't get any more matches. And they said, you know, the, he's young and needs experience, and he, need, he needed more matches, and he couldn't get them before the state finals. Makes it, makes it to the finals. I mean, he, he beat up on some of those kids he wrestled. Okay, but I'll make you a little bit of deal here, Rex. I'll bet you uh, our meal after the state finals next year that Leighton Jones from Brownsburg finishes ahead of your boy from Waste Lafayette. That kid from Brownsburg looked impressive. The other one I was impressed with, the young man from uh, – Connors, Connor's come in thirty-seven and zero. He won. He, he won the mental attitude. Then he beat up on Brandon Herb, beat him up. Yeah, and Herb was actually hurt afterwards. I, I could. He sat down right in front of us after he was done, uh, and he had some sort of leg injury because he, they immediately called the trainers over. And you hate to see that with a senior, but man, that that heavyweight division was, but, but was tough. The, that Schaefer kid grabbed him out front, bulldog, and just powered him to his back multiple times. And Herb's a big, strong kid and knows how to wrestle, and that Schaefer kid handled him. Well, Coach, let's move on to our next topic, and that is your new venture in life. And we're going to call it – no, you're going to call it, not we – Midwest Training Facility. It's a new venue that's opening in Fort Wayne, and we talk all the time on our show about how we can grow wrestling in the Fort Wayne area. Tell us what you've got in the works, when it's going to open, and what uh, kids are going to be able to do there. So um, I've been thinking about this for, you know, like a lot of people for the last 10 years. Um, and starting about September, I, I started really looking hard at some facilities. I got a couple different businesses that I help uh, run, one that I own. And uh, uh, so I have a little bit of business sense as far as that goes, and I have the wrestling, pa- wrestling passion. Um, and I found a location. I, I think it's pretty centrally located. It's not, it's not part of Homestead. It's not part of Carroll. 
It's not part of New Haven. It's not part of Leo. It's it's more. It's right off Goshen Road, five minutes away. It's it's over by Pro Bowl West. Um, and when I walked in, I was just like, wow. Actually, I walked in with Anton Talamantes. I work with him, and uh, we were looking for different sites. And when we walked in, we were both like, wow, this is this is a pretty cool space. And from there, I just rolled with it, and I, I just kept moving forward and um, uh, doing as far as the, like trying to get a small business loan, looking at all the things that it would take, looking at the math, if it would actually make it work, and uh, getting approval from the wife, which is the, the huge one. Um, and uh, it, it looks like it's coming to fruition, and I'm uh, pretty excited about it. Uh, I was able to uh, get the mats donated from O&E, and uh, we're hopefully – uh, starting construction next week. I'm hoping beginning of May. I'm starting to book camps and clinics, getting going here. I'm, I've already talked to Jordan. I think you brought it up that a lot of kids from around here go to Jordan. I've been to Jordan many times. I've slept in a car at Jordan's. There's always horrible Wi-Fi there. Um, so I'm, I'd really like to bring Jordan over here where, you know, maybe I can sleep in my own bed and have good Wi-Fi and it'd be a little bit closer to, to home. But uh, I've talked to Perler Wrestling and see about getting them in here. But I really just want to bring um, some of these places that really feel far away or that are far away uh, to the community and then bring the other coaches around the area underneath the same tent. Because, I mean, like you were talking about, when Ike was wrestling, you had all these people in this bar. You had more than that. Like, when I was home, like, we're texting each other. We're all, like, us people in northeast Indiana, we're feeling down. I mean, mm-hmm. it, like, it's not what it used to be. But you want to look back in the early 90s and – uh, late 80s, we were pretty powerhouse, and it hasn't been that way in a long time. And we're rooting for anyone that's from this area to get better. And I'm, every coach I talk to feels the same way. So I really want to create like a, an area where we all can kind of come together and just try to make it better. Um, I was talking to Sam Reason the other day, and he brought up a good thing like, hey, how about you know we have a day where the coaches come in and they do their own clinic um, and, and teach the kids and have a different coach a different week. I'm all for that. Like I I have no, I've been doing this long enough. I've been coaching 25 years that I I don't need someone to have Oberlin trained on his back. Mm -hmm. I I, I could care less. Like I just want to get the area better. Um, And so if I could provide a facility where people can do that, that's what I'm really looking to do. Well, and I think some of it just comes down to, you know, we, We've, if you've listened to the show long enough, you've heard Rex talk about packing up and going to West Virginia to, to Granby Camp and, and, and that, how that sort of transformed Belmont Wrestling in the late 70s. Not every program in Northeast Indiana has the means, uh, the coaching staff, the parent involvement that's involved in, in getting somebody to, to get a group of six or ten kids to leave the state and go spend two or three days to learn something. To have that opportunity for those people – where that's you know their livelihood doing those clinics to be able to come here have accommodations you know you you know uh, whatever accommodations you provide them but still the ability for somebody to drive 30 minutes to come see it or an hour to come see it and be able to go back home and mom and dad don't have to pay for a hotel room they don't have to pay for transportation they can bring them themselves they can drop them off for the day spend time in Fort Wayne, and then come back and take them home. I think that's a, that's a really big key. And I think it comes down to economics. Okay, there are some kids that are elite wrestlers, and their, their parents drive them all over the country, fly them all over the country, wrestling these big tournaments and stuff. There are kids that cannot afford that. There are kids that don't Absolutely. play certain sports because the cost to play those sports is higher than their family can afford. Right. Now, can I go to Fort Wayne and drop my kid off 
and have a very small fee. Didn't you say that you're going to have like a set fee, pay like so much dollars a month and then be almost like a gym membership? Yep. You know, you can do that. You don't have to go and spend $500 on a camp for a weekend and then hotels and everything. And it, it changes the economy of scale for people that can make that affordable for them. And they can get that knowledge that they need where they would be missing out just based on economics. Yeah. Actually, like in my game plan, one of the next steps is creating a nonprofit that's a little bit separate from the facility, but doing some kind of uh, scholarship-based. Uh, you go to local businesses, get a scholarship-based where the kids can take that money and use it on camps, clinics, whatever it is to kind of further themselves. And we're just checking on their grades and making sure they're making the, the attendance and doing all that stuff, but providing the opportunity for those kids that this sport, in my opinion, and it's the only sport I know, uh, can make just such a huge impact on those kids that need it. Yeah, and I think it's it's sorely needed. We saw that this weekend. Fort Wayne Semi-State had three semifinalists out of 56, you know, and, and there's only four semi-states and, and just two finalists. And, you know, the, the level of competition just is not there right now. And part of that it's does COVID. come down a little bit to, to school size and, and just the way things are set up. There are not a lot of big schools in our semi-state. When you go to 1 and 2A team state, you see how many small sure. schools there are. But, you know, right now in the one-class system that we have, there were not a whole lot of state placers from the 1A and 2A schools. Now, and also part of it is part of the frustration was if you looked at some of what was going on during the whole COVID and everything being shut down and schools not allowing people in there, I mean, Red Cobra had 75, 80 kids in there at any given time Correct. throughout the whole process. Not saying that's right or wrong, just saying that that's the way it was. And there wasn't anything in this area. Like I know a couple people that did a few things, but it was out of a small dojo that's like 20 or 40 feet there's not enough square footage to really get the competition in there so it's hard and i think in some of these other areas you have people who have decided that rather than coaching it is going to be their business to run an academy that's how they're going to make their living sure and you know fort wayne doesn't have that right now and they sure. don't have a facility in which to do that and in in their defense that that's okay like right. like like if that's what they want to do and that's what they want to market but yeah they need a facility to do that and that's kind of what i want to do like Everyone's time's worth something. I know sometimes that we think that wrestling is a, a charity thing, but sports are sports, and the person out there doing it might need to make a little bit of money in order for Mama Bear uh, to allow, allow them to, to go out and spend that time away from the family. You're not going to do this because you think they're going to get rich. I can guarantee you that. Oh, I'm, I'm hoping not to be broke from it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, like to be honest with you, like my whole goal is to pay off what I'm putting yeah. out. That's it. Now, to, to wrap this up, one last point before we have to go to our next section, and I'll repeat it because A.J. does it all the time. The reason that our area is weak is because the second largest st- city in the state of Indiana does not have junior high wrestling sponsored through the school corporation, and it has to be done on a private level with people making clubs and things like that. It's the Fort Wayne Fort Community, Community Schools', Schools yes. fault. I'm going to throw it out there and I'll blame them. It's their fault because 30 years ago they decided we're not going to support junior high wrestling. It's their fault. They're the so. biggest school district in the state. Yeah. So, so I do have some friends that are uh, principals in the middle school, and I am open communication with them and trying to like do something to where we bring multiple middle schools and create little teams that go out and compete. But there's it, a, you know, the middle school sports aren't sanctioned in Indiana. There's all kinds correct. of it's, it's the wild, wild west. You know, like. <laughs> Huntington North, they run their three, or they used to run their three middle schools and another two middle schools. They run them in together as one middle school team. Correct. There's mm-hmm. nothing stopping Fort it's Wayne the Wild Wild West. from creating, you know, pairing two middle schools up together to, to, to do that. 
All right, we're going to send it back to the studio for a round of messages since the uh, second period is coming to an end. We'll be back with a third period and uh, call in from our uh, next phone call-in guest right after these messages. Hi, this is Jesse from Heller Nursery. Heller Nursery is located four miles west of Decatur in between 224 and 124 on 400 West. We are open all winter long. Come check out our large selection of houseplants. We have snake plants, succulents, ficus, and so many more. Heller Nursery is always a season ahead, so stop in during the winter months to plan for spring. New crops are available weekly. Check out Heller Nursery's Facebook page for current selection and specials. We open seven days a week, year-round. Looking for a trusted name in home or farm insulation? Ted Sprunger Insulation has been taking care of families in our area since 1978. When it comes to spraying foam and cellulose insulation, Ted Sprunger Insulation can't be beat for service or price. Give them a call today at 273-5068 or at 824-3021. That's 273-5068 or 824-3021. Ted Sprunger Insulation. Enjoy neighborhood living and peace of mind for your family in a two-bedroom, one-bedroom, or studio apartment at Adams Woodcrest Assisted Living. New address, new home, new life with household amenities including menu choices and times tailored to your liking. A family room with fireplace and bistro laundry and housekeeping services. A state-of-the-art response system and medication reminders are included too at Adams Woodcrest Assisted Living, 1300 Mercer Avenue in Decatur. For a private tour, call 260-728-4038. Welcome back to the Haggard 7 Hershey's Hill High School Wrestling Weekly, hosted by Double Eagle here at Cross Creek. Once again, we're live from the Double Eagle Clubhouse Grill, where the food is always hot and delicious and the drinks are always cold and uh, Delicious as well. Rex Berlong, Dane Filling, still with uh, Coach Andy Oberlin of the Homestead Spartans. And now we're joined on the air by the 800-pound gorilla himself, Joe Caprino. Joe, good evening. How are you? I'm good. Just had a uh, you know, little kids club. Got to get a couple more state champions there. So um, <laughs> got to rush around. The, the grind doesn't stop. So uh, since uh, Norton, back in the day, your last champion, what did it take to get another guy in to the state finals and win another one just took a little perseverance and you know some you know coaching and just you know kids believing in the, in the process and the system that um you know it, it works it's not something that happens overnight it doesn't happen that freshman year for most kids unless you're justin mendez but you just uh you know keep plugging away and you know keep you know getting better each day and the things will happen and you have to find a guy as big as reeves muncie to win it at heavyweight right Yes, yeah, he, he's he's been a big kid. I I remember when like his freshman year, I go, when was the, when were you the last time under a hundred pounds? And he couldn't figure it out. <laughs> Ended up his dad sent me a picture, like a baseball card picture, and he was like one hundred and fifteen when he was in like second grade. We're so thinking <laughs> kindergarten or first grade, possibly. What's he last top? Time he was under hundred. What's he top out at now, Joe? When he weighs in, weighty man. Uh, he's about two seventy five. He's coming in this year, probably about two eighty ish, not very much bigger. Um, you know. Lost by about five to ten pounds, depends on practice and everything. But I mean, he's a pretty big kid, and uh, I know he got up last year about two eighty five, two ninety, and then kind of slimmed down once the once the season started rolling around. Now I got to tell you, there is a picture of Reeve Muncie in tomorrow's Decatur Daily Democrat, but more impressive than Reeve winning state was the fact that Kyle Wood caught him when he jumped into his arms after <laughs> it was all over, and he disappeared. You couldn't see him. Well, they practiced that. He practiced that with one of the other assistant coaches before uh, 
before the finals to see if he could he can handle uh, a big person jumping into his arms. And I wasn't going to do that. I'm not. I'm not going to risk that. I just told, I told him he could toss me if he wanted. I know he'd probably uh, be very popular for tossing me on my head. Well, it's probably a little bit like Samson. As long as he doesn't cut that hair, he should be good to catch him, right? Yes, yes, that hair is uh, quite unique to say the least. Well, Joe, we certainly congratulate you, and I was giving you kudos earlier in the show because uh, Reeve Muncy knows how to win 3-2 matches, 1-1 matches, 2-1 matches, and uh, it takes a lot of coaching to get a heavyweight to be able to wrestle like that and to know what to do and whether to, what situations to be in. And uh, he made all the right moves, and he got the one takedown he needed in the finals, and uh, and he held on. Yeah, he's pretty consistent, and he kind of knows what he needs to do. And uh, I know we uh, we had to work on that when he was younger. About you know, just you got to wrestle. Sometimes you got to wrestle like a heavyweight. You got to pick your spots and find your one takedown. I mean, he has a nice you know little throw by single leg. Yeah, that little snatch single um, that he used on on Jones. So I mean, he has some really good go to moves that. Uh, you know, he'll keep plugging away at him, and he'll get him once eventually. And once he does, it's over. Now, Joe, he didn't have a walk. That that Friday match that he had his first match, that kid was big, and he was good. I mean, that's a 2-1 match, and that's a very close match. He and Herb yeah, both like, had really close matches that, you know, we thought they were going to walk through, their, through the uh, uh, field. But I tell you what, that was a big field. And for him to win it over those kids, I mean, that was quite a feat. Yeah, that Pike kid, he was pretty – he was – you know, talking to Reeve afterwards, he wasn't really, uh, he was staying, keeping his distance. He had just real long and lanky, kind of hard to get close to close the gap, grab a leg. And then uh, he, was, he was kind of deceivingly strong for as tall and lanky as he was. I, I know uh, talking to Reeve afterwards, I mean, we, we got away with that one. Uh, you know, we got a locked hands call um, that won it for us. And, you know, it was, he had to battle and he stayed in good position, and, you know, plugged away. And that's, I mean, that's what you got to do sometimes, especially on a Friday night match. Well, Joe, we want to move on and talk a little bit about the Mr. Gorilla Award. I, I saw that I got my email with my ballot uh, this morning. Tell us a little bit about what that award is, how it started, and uh, and when that will be announced. Um, we're going to announce it, I believe, Wednesday night. We'll have our uh, our annual state recap show, and we're going to give out our awards. Um, not only Mr. Gorilla, we also do like a one, two, and three, four, three and four A coach and wrestler of the year. So that's a uh, kind of fun to do and then um the, the gorilla awards it's a top basically the top senior it's voted on by um media coaches administrators from around the state and even some wrestling media from throughout the country that vote on the award um all the past winners are voters we have probably about 40 to 50 people that are on our list so it's it's you know it's voted on by the state it's not just an indiana mat award so it's pretty neat to see everyone you know has a little bit different opinion and kind of have a criteria that's not it's not set in stone. It's the only thing you have to abide by. It's a top senior. Look at character. Look at their wins. Look at their losses. National level credentials. All that stuff. And Joe, I was really glad to see that you guys had stepped up and had a new uh, Miss Gorilla Award this year. And I, uh, I read the little article about that young lady, and uh, that was very impressive. And for the fact that uh, uh, you guys have placed a uh, Miss Gorilla Award in there, I was really proud of that. Yeah, that's we we want to keep you know promoting the girls wrestling. I mean, it's going to be sanctioned. Hopefully real soon, hopefully in the, uh, the next year or two. And, you know, girls, they work hard there. You know, we have some tough ones that have come through the state. So um, it's always neat to, to see how good they are, and it keeps getting better and better. So um, definitely want to recognize them for all their hard work and dedication to the sport. So, Joe, for all of our listeners out there who have been uh, addicted to Indiana Matt for the last four months, what can they look for? What would be a reason to come to your site? What do you guys have in store before we get to next November? 
Um, we'll probably be doing some more podcasts. I think I want to do a little bit more um, throughout the spring and summer, have some special guests. Um, I know we'll have some articles here and there, um, just kind of updating history stuff and updating some new things. If we get some good ideas, we'll implement them. It's uh, a little bit slower time, but we'll be advertising events um, on there. There's a lot of ISWRE stuff going on. I mean, we'll have our tournament in September, so that, that'll be uh, pretty fun. So we're just, you know, going to keep plugging away and hopefully um, have some content in there. I know a lot of, a lot of off-season events create a lot of buzz and, you know, Fargo, Super 32, things like that. Yeah, and if you're hungry for that kind of information, whether it's Big Ten Wrestling, the Big Ten Champions coming up here March 5th, 6th, 7th, whatever, uh, and then obviously the NCAAs, ISWA State, uh, talking about IHPO, all of those things, uh, even – um, there's a big announcement today. I don't know if anybody put it on the board yet, but uh, I did see that Chesterton has posted Chris Joel's job. Now, that's not because he failed to win a state title, by the way. They did not fire him because he came up short. Chris has been there a long time. He's retiring, but that's a pretty uh, exciting job to be open. Um, interested to see who fills that spot, but uh, there's lots of information on there. There are college commitments. I saw Alex Cotty committed today. All of that information is available on Indiana Matt. Log in once a week if you uh, got addicted to high school wrestling this weekend and check out what's on there. Yeah, there'll, there'll be content on there. I know the board's uh, been pretty pretty hot and heavy, and we're always adding stuff, and we're always, you know, there's always a lot of information, especially college seasons starting to get going. The Olympic trials, we're going to, in the Olympics, hopefully this stuff, summer, we got at least one one person from Indiana, Stefan Michich, wrestling there, so hopefully we get a couple more qualified. Two girls as well. Don't forget the girls. Yeah. Yep, hopefully they get qualified. I know the, their weights are, so hopefully they, they earn the spot. And it'd be pretty neat to have three Indiana representatives, uh, you know, possibly meet uh, Paris, too, you know, on, on the Olympic team. It'd be pretty neat. Well, Joe, we thank you for coming on our show tonight. And uh, we're joined in our next segment by Henry Wilk. He's going to share some of his favorite memories from officiating this weekend. And we thank you for all your support of our show and your partnership with putting it on the podcast and sharing it with all of the people who follow indianamat.com. And we also want to for sure congratulate you on, on Reeves' big win on uh, Saturday. Yep, thank you very much. Um, it's, it's been a pleasure, and you know, uh, I'm always up to being on the show. Well, you got to remember, you and Riser are still – are you guys tied now? They're tied again now. You're tied again now? Okay. <laughs> I got to keep that lead. We're going to have to keep, keep a leaderboard me. pretty soon. Uh, just remember – uh, Indiana Matt gear goes a lot farther than Riser because he never brings anything with him. So just that's always <laughs> one thing to be thought about too. Yeah, and, uh, there's a couple uh, of people here wearing some gorilla uh, sleeve short sleeve hoodies tonight. So are, are you putting me, in that request? <laughs> I like mine. I like mine a lot. Extra large would be fine. Thanks, Joe. Hey, tune in anytime. All right, thanks. Thank you. That's been Joe Caprina, the 800 pound gorilla himself from IndianaMatt.com. And, Rex, we just want to thank all of our sponsors this year, especially Adams Memorial, Woodcrest, Heller Nursery, Paul Baker Drywall, obviously Madman Wrestling Academy. We're talking about what Andy's doing here with his facility. It's something that, that Tim Myers has been doing locally with his, with his re- local wrestlers, uh, Ian Heath, some of the Norwell guys, the AC <coughs> kids, Belmont. They've all been training with Madman. He's got sessions that are coming up uh, this spring as they get ready for ISWA State. They'll have sessions over the summer. Um, they'll have fall guys in the fall where they get ready for IHBO and get ready for the for the, the upcoming high school season. And uh, so check those out if you've got a young wrestler who is interested in gaining more practice than what they're getting at their club. 
and uh, and working under the the tutelage of, of Tim Myers, as well as our podcast sponsor that's just right over there to the left of you. Yeah, we got uh, a, a gift for our, our man Andy here from Defense Soap, and obviously. What they do was very important this year as we tried to keep everybody healthy and safe, and uh, we appreciate their partnership do, with us. Do they have COVID soap? Yeah, they do have it right here. It it's is. the same thing. Same thing? That'd be good for you, Rex. No, I, I've had it. I'm good. With that, I'm going to send it back to the studio to Steve Rouse, run aboard for this final break. We'll be back with the overtime period right after this. At Complete Printing Service, you can count on Charlie Brune and the crew to take care of all your print needs. Everything from color copies, custom-made banners and signs, wedding invitations, business cards, magnetic and yard signs, and so much more. Complete Printing is located on South 2nd Street in Decatur. Our name says it all. Complete Printing Service. Call today at 724-3722. Complete Printing is also a Decatur Sculpture Tour sponsor. Independently owned and operated, Haggard Sefton Hershey and Zelt Funeral Home, located in the heart of downtown Decatur, has been serving the funeral needs of Adams County and the surrounding area for over 114 years. Whether it's at need, a prearrangement, or a monument sale, our small staff is here to provide comfort in your time of need and make our home feel like an extension of your home as we assist you in honoring the life of your loved one. You don't always need an attorney, but when you do, the man to call is Brad Weber. Brad has extensive experience in most legal matters and will help you make your problems disappear. Keep this number handy, 452-7045. That's 452-7045. You just never know when you'll need the services of an experienced litigator like Brad Weber. High School Wrestling Weekly, hosted with Double Eagle here at Cross Creek. Uh, now it's time for an overtime session, and uh, basically Dane's just going to tell what's going on the rest of the weekend on WZBD. Yeah, as we are, you know, no more high school wrestling coverage after this until we get to the first Monday in November, Rex, but we'll, we'll get through it. The now, most exciting thing on radio this week's got to be Radio Auction. Oh, no, it's Radio Auction. You, I, I you, think they're selling a big... The lawnmower lawn this, this mower. week. Yeah. Now, tomorrow we've got Bishop Dwinger at Belmont Boys Basketball. That... Uh, coverage will start around 7 o'clock. And then on Wednesday, we've got Bluffton at South Adams in boys' basketball. Thursday's radio auction. Friday, then we've got Belmont at Jay County in boys' basketball. And then on Saturday, we've got the high school basketball coaches show for the final time. And then we've got Pacers basketball at 8 o'clock on Sunday. Uh, continue our NASCAR schedule for the Dixie Vodka 400. That's at 2.30. And then on Monday next week, 6.05 for the Matt Painter Show. And unfortunately, no High School Wrestling Weekly at 7.05. But that's okay because four or five weeks from now, Rex and I will be back on the air and we'll be calling all the baseball and softball action for you whenever that begins. When the snow has to melt for yeah. it, right? wonder if the baseball diamonds will be dry in the next six weeks. Oh, and I also saw that uh, WZBD, along with the traditional national championship broadcast, will have the national championship game, the final four, first and second round coverage, and the selection show, all live on WZBD via Westwood One. I, I tune in the Westwood One, and that's really good during March Madness because they, they jump around, and it's like they'll go to different 
different areas, and they do a phenomenal job in it. I, that's really good uh, listening it, time. It is great to listen to because that's exactly what they do. They, when they get a, a TV timeout, they jump to the next game, and, and it's worth listening to for and, sure. And if there's a blowout, somebody's winning by 50 points, they'll go to a better they, game. They leave that game, and they, and they go away from it, definitely. So, you know, Andy, as we wrap up our entire season here on the air, uh, I've talked to you a bunch about wrestling this area and Belmont wrestling, but not only this show, but just in, in our broadcast overall, we have people who are associated with businesses that don't even sell products to local people who would really advertise in the first place, who support this show, who support our broadcast. We have a guy like Brad Weber, who uh, is, the, is a local attorney in town, but he just wrote a check out of his pocket to make sure that we had enough sponsorship to, to carry this show. And as you were saying earlier, there were so many people in this area listening to Ike on Saturday. There are a lot of people who really care about promoting what these boys and girls are, are doing in our area, in Adams County, and even wider out. And then when it comes to the state finals all over, and we just really appreciate that. And it's something that's special. When we talked to Mike Gable a couple of weeks ago uh, on the show, he was just lamenting the fact that Evansville doesn't have anything near. They don't really have any re- wrestling coverage at all on the radio. And, you know, I think, I think we're very lucky in our area to have a radio station that supports what we do, that was willing to venture out. And we covered almost 50% more than we did last year. Uh, you know, Rex is on the, on the verge of divorce, I think, because if he's been so, so long, so, so many matches, but don't worry, she's not listening, Rex. Um, and I just think it, it, you know, it really should be applauded that this community supports what we were able to do this year. We had some great wrestling. Adams Central, South Adams, Belmont all had, had great seasons. They were right there in the thick of it at Team State, conference tournaments, sectional, regional, uh, semi-state. We had guys competing for medals. Uh, it was a great year. Well, the reason that you could, were able to pick up a Adams Central schedule was that advertisers in that area said, hey, I'm a former Adams Central wrestler. I'll, I'll put money in. And they, they stepped up, and it, it took you, like, no time at all to build enough client base to sponsor that, and we had a whole second season. Yeah, and it was great, too, because there were a lot of people who really are passionate about Adam Central Wrestling who were unable, who were not allowed to go and watch them that they were used to. And you know who they are. You see them at all of these tournaments, and then this year, they're not there. They, they, you don't see their faces. That Bruce Timmy hadn't been to a Belmont Wrestling meet, I don't think, until conference because he wasn't allowed to. You know, the guy, John, that we, all, that we talked to with when we did our interview with Bruce, he wasn't able to go watch Belmont, and he relied on WZBD to be able to keep up his passion for, for following our team. And, and, and I just really applaud uh, Rob at the station and uh, everybody at WZBD for allowing us to do that. Well, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to toot your horn and, and let you know that um, a lot of that's possible because Rob gave you the liberty to step up and do what it took to get the advertisers involved in it. You know, if, if I would have went to him and said, hey, I want to add 10 more matches, but we're not going to get any sponsors to do it, it's like, no, you, you can't. And when you came in and said, hey, we want to do this, we want to add, you know, six more wrestling coaches show, and he said, well, if you can pay for it. And in comes the money, and then we're here. Yeah, and, and a shout-out to Rob. I wasn't really sure what I was going to do this summer with a lot of different things, and he says, no, we need to keep you. And he, you know, he gave me the support and he gave me uh, the leeway to be able to make some decisions. And when it came to adding the extra shows and adding the extra matches and, and you know, the ACAC and all those tournaments, he said, hey, if, if you're going to, you know, put the money behind it, let's do it. And it's been a huge success. Hey, I just want to throw something out there that's kind of funny is 
I went to school with Brad Weber. Uh, we were, we were That's decent. Right. Yeah, we were decent buddies. He graduated right behind me as a football star. I was the wrestling star. We'd see each other in the hallways. We'd be in the same social gatherings. He's a good guy. And it's just funny that he's, he's the one that helps support this show. He wants to p- promote sports yeah. in this area. He's a, he's a football guy. He's a baseball guy. I talk to him all the time. He's a football official. I mean, it, but he, wa- he wants to see sports for this community survive and thrive. And, and that's what he's going to do. And he's going to push whatever. I mean, he helps them do, put football camps together. And, I mean, he does a lot of things. And he just, you know, gives his time and his support to do that. He was an incredible football player. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah, he was a very talented. Baseball, yeah. too, correct? Yeah. yeah. He was very yeah, good. Yeah, he could do whatever he wanted. And he's got a cool, he's got a cool dog, too. I love his dog. So. <laughs> Finally, we want to thank our title sponsor, Haggard Sefton, Hershey, and Zelt uh, Funeral Home, along with Ted Sprunger Insulation. It gets us sort of that Wells County connection with Coach Sprunger and, obviously, uh, Brad Weber and his family and then Madman Wrestling Academy and Midwest Training Facility, our newest sponsor for the You just have to get them over there in Wells County to realize that we have a coach's show. Well, two of the three aren't bad. Well, just one of the three now. Yeah. <laughs> we still got to make inways once we get to uh, Normal and Southern Wells. With that, uh, we're going to wrap up our radio session, and we'll go right in the podcast right after this. But uh, thanks for tuning in all season long. Yeah, don't, and, don't forget we're going to be joined by, by uh, official Henry Wilk in the podcast. So if you're interested in listening to that, jump on the podcast here after we go off the air. Thanks a lot. Tune in uh, next season. All right, Steve, we're going to roll right in the podcast and call our guy here. So. Keep her tape, tape rolling and then uh, five seven four. Man, that's so small. Where you at? Three six zero oh. nine seven six one. There we go. I can't. Even, where's that? Oh, that. Oh, I couldn't even see it. Henry Wilk, Rex Brewer. How you doing, bud? Pretty good. How are you? Is this Rex? This is Rex. Uh, Dane's here with me, and uh, we've rolled into our podcast section, and uh, we're just on the air with you live here. So uh, Dane said that you had some uh, stories you wanted to tell about uh, what happened in the state finals, and i tell you what, uh, you had a couple of pretty good matches uh, throughout the day and throughout the weekend, and uh, you had a better view than anybody did of the action. Yeah, I had some pretty good seats, especially with uh, – you mentioned uh, – Briar Hall, and I was fortunate enough to do the Newcastle semi-state, and I had two of Briar's matches. One was against uh, the Indianapolis Cathedral kid, Orlaski, who finished third, I believe, in the weight, and he completely destroyed him. And I had Orlaski early in the year against Crown Point, and I was really impressed with him. But I've never seen a high school wrestler that come off ties and or penetrate from outside the way this, this Hall kid. Just phenomenal. Really quick. And you really saw quick. He, he, he went through the state brackets. He was my pick to win it all and probably be the, out, the most dominating wrestler. And he was easily the most dominating wrestler at, uh, even with Zeke in there, um, at the uh, Newcastle Semi State. But you know, the crazy thing about it is, and Dan, you mentioned it earlier in your broadcast that, uh, that, uh, he, uh, you were just hoping that Duke would not get hurt by him. And I, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, man, this kid, He's a freshman, I know. And, you know, the greatest thing about this thing is when he pinned him, he got up, and you probably couldn't hear it, obviously. But I heard him say, hey, you got three more years, kid. Patted him on the, on the back. 
Well, I mean, a lot of people from this area know that what Duke has went through in the past two years with multiple, multiple surgeries and rebuilding yes. his body. I mean, and that's why we were afraid he, he might get hurt because that hall is yeah. just a big, powerful I was kid. aware of that situation, yeah. And uh, But, you know, the sportsmanship displayed by Hall, you know, he was obviously, when he won the championship, he, he went did that standing back aerial and all that. But but he the sportsmanship displayed was, was just awesome. You know, in these times, the state tournament here, uh, there's a lot of negative that, you know, was being tossed around, obviously. But there were some – and the reason why I wanted to chime in here is there were some great things that, as far as sportsmanship that was displayed. You know, uh, and that was one of them. I remember him patting him on the back, and he said to Duke, and Duke might not even remember this, but he said, hey, you got three more years, kid. <laughs> and uh, I like to, it's really interesting to see what Briar Hall is going to do on the next level, and it's interesting to see what Duke's going to do here in the, in the immediate future or near future because he's got a bright one ahead of him, obviously. Yeah, talking to Duke today, I think he was just kind of stunned at, at, at how quick Hall was, and that's what he told me today when I had him in class. He said, "Man, he he picked the ankle f- first, and then and then Duke got the escape, and and then he picked it again." And and, and Duke said he wasn't so necessarily so much stronger than him, but just so quick on his feet uh, and with his movements, and, and that really made the difference. He he was so explosive, so explosive. I mean, it's in all his moves he hit, uh, just incredible. Uh, the second situation was. Uh, you know, um, the match at uh, one uh, <clears throat> one thirty two in the finals. Another great display of, of sportsmanship. You know, here's two kids undefeated. Who was at Eisen? I was uh, the assistant under Bart Welch on the match, and uh, and uh, Eisen and, ends up winning in, in the tiebreaker. Well, it was a two to one, I believe. And here's two kids undefeated, and after he loses the match, Freeman goes over to the the Brownsburg bench, and you could see a smile on his face. I mean, it wasn't that he was happy it was over. I mean, it was just, you know, he was thankful. The attitude of gratitude, I guess you could say, in that heat of the moment, you know, uh, was pretty neat Neat to see it as an, as an official, you know. Is that Montgomery? And then, Montgomery? Yeah, Kaisa Montgomery and, and Alec Freeman. And one of my favorite yeah, things about the that new. Was Montgomery, I'm sorry, not Ice. One of the yeah, most was, favorite things about the new amazing. overtime uh, format back from when it was it used to be a lot shorter was the, the display of that 30 seconds of ride time and what you're able to do with that. That's such a different set of circumstances from starting a match on your feet or a two-minute period where the other person gets, gets a choice. You know, with 30 seconds, if you can get... Uh, you know, 12 seconds off the board and then get a restart and another one, you can really hang on. Uh, and it's a yeah, whole different, down, yeah. whole different yeah, set of skills that's before. on display uh, when, when that happens. And it was a great display of wrestling by both of those young men Absolutely. on Saturday night. And, you know, there was no stalling calls in there, was there? I don't in believe so. Yeah. I know. You know, I, Bart's one of the best. And, uh, he, you know, he does college. And, and uh, it was like two Brahma Bulls going at it, you know, working on hand fighting and, wasn't a whole lot of shots, but, you know, I mean, they, they were battling and they weren't staying in the center. You know, Henry, and, a, lot, and, lot, and done. a lot of times people will get people here in the crowd and they're talking about, like, stalling or something like that. In that 30-second period when you're riding like that, there really is no stalling. There's nothing that says that you have to make an attempt to pin anybody. I mean, it is a riding period. It's, it is the responsibility of the man on the bottom to escape. And you can pretty yep. much ride into anything you want to talk. Yeah. Now, mm-hmm. back in our day, you and I, when we wrestled, there was no such thing as overtime. I had two ties in my record because you wrestle and you get done in six minutes like okay shake hand and raise two guys hands and 
and you split the points, and there there were ties back in the day. People like ties. How do you do it? Get a tie? That's like a, a tie in an NFL football game. Well, we got that again too. But uh, uh, back in the day, same way when I wrestled. Obviously, about ten, fifteen years ahead of you. But we went three once after we had. You know, you start back on your feet and then up and down. Um, college was it was a eleven minute match, eight and three. But anyway, um, the third thing I wanted to talk about was Ike Rubel. You know, I had his quarterfinal match and his semifinal match. And uh, boy, oh boy, you know, three years ago, I think I had ankle, double ankle replacement surgery. And in the spring of the year, Jimtown had the Bago duels. And I believe Belmont sent a team over there. And one of my good buddies, Troy Hahn, was officiating the man. He was responsible for getting the officials. We had some officials from down in Indianapolis coming up and some of our local guys here in the South End Mishawaka area uh, doing the tournament. And I went over to watch because I w- wasn't able released to be able to officiate. And I sat down between the Belmont and whoever they were wrestling. I think it was the uh, Brian Bailey's group of kids, the outlaws. But anyway, and I got a chance to sit and talk with this little 103-pounder, 106-pounder. And, and I think he was going to eighth to ninth grade. It, was, it happened to be Ike. And, you know, I sat and talked with him for about 45 minutes, and he was absorbing everything I was talking about. You know, I was just, I was just kind of really need to hear, need to talk to a kid like that. And then I met his dad, Joe, and I, and I think his brother was going into a senior year, maybe. Yeah, maybe John. he had just graduated. I, I can't remember. What was his older brother's name? Joe, John, correct? John. The dad, his yeah. dad's name's Joe. Anyway, uh, I'm referring Belmont and Jade County, if you guys remember this past winter in the uh, team stage semifinals, I believe it was. You remember that? Yep, that was the semifinals. Well, I call the captains together. There's three from Belmont, and there's uh, three or four from Jay County. And I talk about, you know, sportsmanship. There were two matches that were determined. They came down to a tie in that tournament. And I said, you know, you guys, there's been two tournament, two uh, matches that have been ties. And you know what? You know what the criteria is for the victory? The number one is unsportsmanlike match point or unsportsmanlike conduct. And all these other guys, as I'm going through the spiel, all the other guys, all the captains are, you know, they're looking, they're nervous, you know, they, they're not really paying a whole lot. To, but there's Ike Rubel, he's looking at me right in the eye, you know, you know, bobbing his head, yeah, I, I get it, you know. And and that's just a testament to the kid, you know. And I know you mentioned earlier that, you know, if he finishes fifth or whatever next year, but I know, I know he's got to be motivated. I know it motivated me 52 and 53 years ago when I was in the state finals my junior year getting beat. Uh, there was, you know, you got to you got to come back. That motivates you more than anything. And him being a two-time runner-up now, it's got to be awfully motivating to him. But you know, got to be with him, and uh, hopefully he does the best. And he's got to be motivated. There's no question about it. And I'm sure he'll answer the bell. You know, one of the purest moments that I saw the entire weekend, and he may give me a hard time for saying this out loud to the public, but uh, after his match was over and everything, I was so worked up. I, I, I went to the bathroom. I just had to walk around and get a bottle of water. And uh, I walked in the, the hallway and there was Ike and his head was just buried in, in Paul Gunsett's lap and, and, and he had tears and, and and Paul wasn't saying anything. He just had his arms wrapped around him. And I thought, just what a perfect display of how much uh, both Ike and, and just everybody in the in the Belmont program has put into uh, getting him there 
and you, there was a lot of disappointment, but at the same time, there was there was a lot of love and a lot of pride in 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 the fact that that Ike had been able to get that far, and and then obviously with one one year left. Uh, we really look for him to to make the finals again and hopefully take that next step. So, Dane, one thing that I that I took out of this year's COVID ran state finals that was totally different is, in the past, you win or you lose, and then you go off and you sit down in the chairs, and you've got ten or fifteen minutes to kind of wind down from it. Well, this year, you win yeah. or you lose, and they come out and they stick a camera in your face, they hand you your your yeah. medal, and you go on from there and. When they had the big jumbotron up, and AJ are looking at jumbotron, and they had a picture on Ike's face with his second place ribbon, he was mad. He was angry, and that's the motivation you're talking about that might bring him back yeah, next yeah. year. But it's like it's not fair to those kids after all that emotion and whatever happens to you in that time frame. Okay, here it is. Here's your medal, and now I'm going to take your picture. So you get that picture to last forever, and you know, the look on your face is, you know, some of those guys have bloody teeth and bloody mouths, and their eyes are all cut up. They just look like they've been through a battle, and it's like, okay, I'm going to take your picture, and this is your state finals picture, and it's like, that nah, really wasn't fair to those kids. But it was what it was. They were able to be there and wrestle. You take what you get, I guess. I can't recall a, a tournament that I refereed in the last 10, 30, 15 years that had as much blood as this tournament did. And I don't know exactly, you know, it's just a testament to the, the intensity of the wrestling, I guess. Uh, I had the herb match, uh, the Franklin, if you remember, in the quarterfinals. And that was a doozy. Uh, herb, uh, herb got the win, but, you know, uh, he was constantly on the guy, you know, and it was, uh, you know, he just wrestled really tough. There was, you know, we there was a couple oh, of... by the way, speaking of heavyweights, uh, didn't Joe Caprino... He before uh, Muncie hit the uh, single snag on uh, Leighton Jones. I think he stepped on his foot, and that and that's one of Joe's sneaky tactics. I'm going <laughs> to confront him about that. Now, if it's not done for unnecessary roughness, it's good to go. No, it's so just because you got a hold in my boy. <laughs> no, they have size 15 feet, and they just accidentally <laughs> stepped on his foot. That's what that was. Henry. That was an accident. I, I, Joe didn't comment on on how he got that snag single, but. Uh, I was down in the front row, and I, I remember seeing it. And I remember Tom Clark, one of our officials, said, if they don't stomp on it, it is like unnecessary roughness, it's legal in my book. Well, one of the things, Henry, that I saw in the heavyweight class this weekend was uh, a couple of them getting thrown out out of bounds and off the mat, and a couple of officials thinking that they were going to stop them. And I... <laughs> And sometimes, especially when it's Reeve Muncie out there or the Leighton Jones kids from Brownsburg, you don't want to be trying to I catch was, those guys. I was supposed to be the assistant on the heavyweight match. We didn't get our assignments till real late before the final started. And I was on the 106 pound, and I was supposed to, I was supposed to assist the heavyweights. Well, well, as it went on about halfway through, Jay, uh, Kevin Huelsman, our, our supervisor, said that, Henry, we moved you to the 32-pound 30, uh, assisted on a 32-pound final match, and we're taking J.D. and putting him at the heavyweight. Well, it came to the point where, uh, remember, uh, he, um, um, Muncie pushed in on Amando, Amande, uh, Oman, Omanade, that's it, Omanade. He pushed in on Omanade, and Omanade threw him, and if I was there, he would have completely, he, he would have squished you. four feet off the mat on the throw. Yeah, they they went off, and I was a little bit worried that that there were going to be an injury there in, yeah, in the semifinals yeah. and the finals, or maybe it was the placement matches. But that's kind of, I guess, one of the hard parts about the way that setup is: is if they go off to the left or the right, they've got a mat on each side of them. But when they go off to the side, you remember the Rudolph Red Nose right yeah. here? They're like abominables; they bounce. <laughs> they do. okay, something like that. 
you guys were talking about the scrambles earlier and holding the calls and stuff like that. I just got done refereeing a junior high match and uh, talk about holding your calls. Rex, you're more familiar with yeah. junior high wrestling when they don't realize they got control or whatever. So you really got to hold your call. And I think the other held call situation, obviously, is in high level of wrestling and scrambles. I can remember several years ago when uh, when Forte and LeCount went again. They went in overtime, and LeCount got in on Forte, lifted him off the mat, and Greg Moe was the official, and he put him down pretty hard. He put him down with such force that when he hit, this was in the sudden victory period, he bounced off the mat and boom, his hips were out. And and but Greg fired up the two, and that was the state championship. And uh, you know. Holding your call is, I'm watching IU and Purdue right now, and, you know, we are in those too. scramble situations, the held call is uh, really probably the best call. You know, uh, AJ has the term for those junior high matches. Uh, Henry calls it a cowboy fight. You know, back in the day, the cowboys in the movies used to roll around, roll around, and, and that's what junior high is. Sometimes you just wait till the dust settles until one's on top yeah, for what you can see. That's what we consider. call it over here. Wait till the dust settles. Until the one kid is uh, noticeably stopped rolling around. It's like, okay, there's two. Because otherwise you yeah. didn't have wiping a lot of points off the scoreboard. Well, Henry, not only did you get to wrestle, uh, wrestle officiate, I mean, in the uh, state finals this weekend, you're also going to have your picture on the front page of the Decatur Daily Democrat. What an honor. Tomorrow morning, huh? Tomorrow morning, I'll have to I'll have to save you a copy and, and send it to you. I got a copy you sent me in, in your text, so uh, I really appreciate that. The good thing is, Henry, you look the same size as 113 pounders. I guess they matched them up with them, huh? <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> One of the years, uh, two years in a row, Henry and I refereed the state finals. I had the exact same two heavyweights in the exact same match back when that uh, big Schaefer kid from. Uh, Mount Vernon Posey wrestled oh, against yeah. uh, Snyder. Uh, Snyder, and he wrestled against uh, uh, Damon Hummel from Rochester. They wrestled two oh, years in a row in the finals, I and I had that. both yeah. of those matches, and those guys made me look like a dwarf. I mean, it was just really, really uh, – I didn't even fit on that match with them, but uh, they were both great uh, wrestlers and great uh, personalities, and they, they just handled themselves very well, and I was, it was perfectly fine. Guys are doing an excellent job. Uh, it, it's just been really interesting listening to the, your whole series throughout the year. Well, you're a three-time guest now, Henry, so you're getting right up there on the list with uh, <laughs> Caprino and Mike Reiser. So, but that's just because you called Dane and said, hey, I want to be on the show. These other people don't realize that you just have to call and say, well, you want to be on the show, and we'll let you on. I mean, it, it's not, it, there's, there's not <laughs> a big waiting list. Here. Well, we, so, Henry, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna put you on the spot here. Next year, when we cover the uh, Al Smith tournament, we're hoping to do a show. Uh, from Mishawaka, whether it's the night before the tournament starts or the night in between the two sessions. But we need you to join us for that show uh, to make it a little bit better. That sounds great. That sounds great. I'd be more than willing to do that. Uh, of course, Al Smith was my coach, and uh, you know I still call him coach, and uh, he's just a tremendous ambassador for the sport and obviously even a better person. But, uh, yeah, I'm more than, more than willing to do that. Awesome. Because it ought to be good next year, and hopefully we'll have this uh, this thing behind us and uh, get better and better and better. It certainly will feel more like a complete season when we have the Al Smith invite. Absolutely, absolutely. That's for sure. Well, uh, Henry, we thank you for being the final guest that we had uh, this season. I think I looked it up today. We covered uh, 17 dual meets and uh, eight different tournaments this year. We had 18 wrestling shows. We did one from a hotel room. Uh, we've done one in a blizzard and a snowstorm 
And we did one before really anybody had wrestled before, and now we're doing one after the season is over. And uh, we really appreciate you coming on tonight. It's been great. Thank you very much for having me, guys. Thanks, Henry. Thanks, Henry. And with that, uh, we're ready to wrap up our podcast session here. And, Dane, it's been a long season. Uh, it, it flew by pretty pretty quick when you look at the numbers on the on the tally sheet that uh, I sent to Rob today. I mean, a lot of activity, a lot of stuff on there, but uh, it seemed like it flew by really pretty quick. Yeah, and I go back to what Henry said about motivation. I think about Ike Rubel's career and the motivation that he got in losses in the semi-state finals a loss in the Al Smith finals last year really pushed him. A loss in the state finals last year really put him on a course to have a one-loss season this year. And uh, I think Henry's right. This loss uh, Saturday night is going to be what fuels him throughout the summer and as he gets ready for next year, and it's going to be something to look forward to. But even on a bigger perspective, you know, Calvin Froat's loss on the very first night of the year really set a tone. Uh, for the next couple of matches. And then Belmont, you know, took a dive with, with COVID and they came back and that loss against Penn did not, <laughs> I mean, it, it really motivated them to say, you know, this isn't us. This is not who we are. And even the loss to Garrett, everybody that was on the team was just kind of like, man, we weren't, we, we just weren't good enough tonight. We got to get better. And I think that was a great motivator for them as they got through the end of the regular season. And you know what, Belmont? 2A state runner-up, conference dual meet champs, conference tournament champs, sectional champs, regional champs. Uh, they had an absolutely wonderful season, and uh, I think they're commended for it. Adam Central had a great season. They were so competitive in that ACAC. South Adams had a great year. They only had four forfeits through most of the year, and they were one takedown away. If they would have had one more takedown in the first round of the state finals uh, team state, they would have won that tiebreaker and they would have finished in sixth, seventh, eighth place. Instead, they get, they, they end up, I think they ended up 11th or 12th. I don't remember, but they were that close. And, you know, after the football season that they had to turn around and have the wrestling season that they did, you know, it's commendable and great cooperation from all three coaches in our County in not only a radio show, but for me working for the, for the Democrat and the coverage that we're able to bring. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll toot the horn of, of my bosses at the Democrat who allow me to really go more in-depth than a lot of local newspapers go for high school wrestling coverage. But I think when it comes back to it, for radio coverage, nobody does it. Nobody allows us to do it like we do it, like WZBD. You know, m- my take on the Belmont uh, match we saw it at Penn, I mean, that was as low as they could get. Every week they, we saw them wrestle better and better. It, it, it's easy to look better when you've looked that bad, but they got healthy, they got stronger, they got come out more aggressive, and you could see each week they got better and better, and their confidence boost boosted up, and uh, it went went very well on that. And and it, even you know the lesser guys uh, who didn't advance as far, Zane Botkins, what a great set of improvement we saw from him. Dalton Robinson to win a sectional title this year was phenomenal, and, and we saw that from a lot of guys. We saw guys from Adam Central and South Adams, too, who got so much better. Cody Lotzenheiser has improved so much. We saw Cashton Reynolds improve a bunch this year, uh, just guys all the way around that, that really got better. And for the most part, Adams County Wrestling was really, really young this year, uh, and, and next year's teams are going to be that much better. Not just because his father's sitting over here, but we have to talk about uh, Henry Kukulhan that we thought – just really improved and towards the end of the season had like one or two losses going into the sectional, I think. I mean, just 
from, you know, we saw him wrestle as a kind of a tall, lanky freshman last year, really starting to grow in that body. And Dad, I think he needs to hang about 20, 30 pounds on him. He's got that big frame. You can boost him up, get him out there doing some work this summer and really build him up, and I, I think he's going to turn into a big man someday. Well, and, and, and a testament to, to Henry and the nice kid that he is. I had a real frank conversation with him after he had walked away from the team for a while and then came back and decided, and I said, you know what, it, it, takes, it takes a lot of courage to say, I don't think my heart is in this at this moment to go forward. And it takes even more heart to say, okay, I think I made a mistake. I do want to be part of this. And I told him that I applauded him for both decisions, for having the courage to say, I don't think that I'm able to give this my best. And then just take a step back from it for a week, from a week or two and say, no, this is something I do want to be part of. And I, I really do want to be with these people uh, through thick and thin. And, I, you know, I think we saw it all, all the way through, through the end of the season. He was so much fun to watch. From the, the match we had at Norwell, when he came through and got the win, the way that he wrestled against Leo in the dual meet, the way he came back at conference uh, and, and all of those tournaments, really looking forward to what those upper weights next year for Belmont can accomplish. And I know what the deal breaker was, walk-in music. It must have been. It must have been the walk-in music. So that's, uh, we're going to wrap our final uh, show of this season. It's been a lot of fun. We're, we've picked up so many fans from around the state. You know, People will talk to us and send uh, Dane messages that they've listened. It's like, of all the people in the world, I never thought that that guy would listen to us. But I'll tell you what, we, we have a, a very wide uh, crowd. Um, we're not Mike Risers. People don't see our face and go, hey, can I get a higher rating? I mean, we're not that guy. Uh, but, uh, Mike Risers is about as popular as they come. Yeah. And the, before you got to the uh, state finals, I was talking to Mike Gable. And because I had a mask on, a hat on, I was talking about our show. And he said, yeah, but the other guy, and he goes, Oh Rex, it's you! I didn't even—I didn't realize it was you. He didn't realize I had a mask on, and he's like, "Oh, I'm sorry, Rex." And you know, he knows who Dane Filling is. He already <laughs> talked to you, but he didn't know who I was. But uh, what can I say, Rex? With that, we're going to sign off. I'd like to thank Steve Rouse for running the board for us tonight and playing the commercials for us. And with that, we're going to be off for the podcast session now. And uh, until Dane talks uh, the station owner into another uh, set of shows sometime, we'll be back on sometime in the future. <laughs>